Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. It is January 4th, 2023. Got the year right. Look at me go. Pretty proud of that. I've been expecting to, to get the year wrong for quite a while with the start of a new year. But uh, it's only been a couple of days since we had our, our, our back from the break January 1st uh, kickoff to what we're cautiously calling season five over here. And already we got stuff to talk about. There's been a lot that's been going on. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to be joined in a little bit by, uh, <coughs> excuse me, by Sarah Biggs. She's going to help us try to make sense of some of the things that I'm going to talk about for a little bit here. And uh, as always, we've got the floor open on our Twitter spaces as well. So if anybody wants to tap in and add anything to the conversation, you can join us on Twitter spaces. And if you're uh, if you're on the, the YouTubes or the Facebooks, then you can also please feel free to, to drop a chat in. I see we already have our, our first comment in of the chat. So there's that. Moving on. <laughs> The first thing we got to talk about today, uh, we saw at the end of the year, the NDP were very quick to be like, hey, guys, we fundraised. Oh, we fundraised. And uh, today the UCP decided that they were going to try to match the numbers. And it's a little bit interesting when we start to take a look at what those numbers are. So uh, Rachel Notley came out on the third and said Alberta's NDP raised more than seven point one million last year. A record raised more than three point two million in the fourth quarter. Another record. And raised more than $265,000 on December 31st. Another record. And then there was a threat. We're not going to show you the whole threat. The UCP came out today and they said, hey, you know what? We did okay too. If you add up all of our numbers together, we raised 10.8 for uh, the whole year of 2022. Now, there's some things that need to be taken in context with this. So thing number one is that 10.8 million includes a couple of really key events. The first event from last year obviously would be Jason Kenny. He was running a leadership review. He received a lot of donations through uh, reportedly through Calgary Lougheed, which was his constituency. There were a lot of donations that were made to the UCP party in order to try to save Mr. Kenny. So that's a, that's a pretty big chunk of that change presumably but also one of the other things that happened was uh they had that little uh, leadership race and they're claiming that 3.8 million dollars from the leadership candidates uh contributed to that 10.8 total so if we take the 3.8 away then in just fundraising monies alone it very much appears that uh the ndp actually raised more money outside of the leadership race because that leadership race money was used for the leadership race, which means it's spent. It's gone. It's not money that the party has access to anymore, presumably. So the the victory lap on the, the UCP, it's going to be really interesting to see because the important thing to remember is that these are preliminary numbers. These aren't official numbers. These aren't final numbers. Uh, these are what the party is choosing to, to disclose publicly. The best part that I got to just share, which was somebody, a very astute watcher, reader, I'm going to go with reader on Twitter pointed out um, the uh, the UCP talked about how they also raised a remarkable two hundred and sixty five thousand and sixty three dollars. So they managed to raise exactly sixty three dollars more than the uh, the NDP raised, which is, I'm sure, totally a random number. 
he said entirely facetiously. Moving on from there. One of the other things that we saw, oh, Daniel Smith took a bit of a victory lap. Fuel taxes, gas prices are lower in Alberta than any other province, and it isn't close. They cut the, the full provincial fuel tax. That's, uh, that's some money. Make it more affordable to families, get to work, drive to hockey practice, and take a vacation. And then there was a graph. And the font on the, the infographics terrible because I know we weren't the only people who looked at the Alberta number and thought that they were quoting August numbers again. They do that a lot. They like to, to quote August numbers. We thought they were quoting August numbers. It's apparently average. It's just a garbage, garbage font. But it's worth looking into because according to this, hey, Alberta has some of the cheapest gas in the country. 20 cents cheaper than the national average. wonder how that looks over time. I wonder what that wonder wonder what the prices look like over time. Well, let's go to Stats Canada for that. Because if you take a look at what the numbers are pretty consistently, when you compare the price of gas in Edmonton to the price of gas to the average of Canada, guess what the price difference is? Give or take, it's about 20 cents. So I guess gas prices went down across the entire country at the same time. But ironically enough, one of the things that happened is right before all of the, the, the tax changes happened, there was a little bit of a, a price bump that was introduced like two days before the gas tax was, uh, was revoked. Now, this is a graph from economist Trevor Toome. He does wonderfully objective analysis of data and stuffs. He is a self-proclaimed and very proud uh, numbers nerd. Uh, and he put this graph together and it just takes a look at what the first day th through was. Now, what the UCP government likes to say is, you know what? 13 cents a liter, y'all. That's how much money we're saving you on a, the average average liter of gas. You're welcome. We're the best, except according to the modeling that Dr. Toome did, it's more like 2.6 cents per liter. So there's not nearly that's that's a smaller. I'm not an economist. And I would absolutely defer to Dr. Toome's analysis on this, but I'm pretty sure that 2.6 is a smaller number than 13 cents. And because we did see, as you can see in the, the little graphy graph, if you're you're watching on the, the videos, if you're not watching on the videos, I promise there there is a little graphy graph and it does have uh, this little bump here. You can see that the price did bump up right before January 1st. And there's a lot of people who have said, hey, you know what? That seems kind of shifty. That seems like uh, maybe the, the gas companies knew that there was going to be a, a drop in the price. So maybe we equalize it a little bit. We get to maybe take home a little bit more of the money. This was one of the concerns when the UCP dropped the gas tax in the first time. And um, the honester, honorable Dale Nally wanted to be very clear from his ministry of service, Alberta and red tape reduction that uh, they, they're watching, they're watching close. Um, and there's, he issued this little letter where he says, as of yesterday, Alberta's government has fully paused the fuel, the tax on fuel saving Albertans 13.6 cents a liter on gas and diesel, except as we just established, maybe not so much with the 13.6 part. Our government expects fuel retailers to pass on these savings to their customers. That's why Service Alberta Red Tape Productions Consumer Investigations Unit is monitoring gas prices at stations across the province to ensure there's no evidence of gouging. So far, we found that prices at local stations are aligned with current market conditions. However, to protect Albertans, we will keep a close eye on prices. Businesses found guilty of price gouging can be fined up to $300,000 or receive two years in jail time. And that really begs some questions. How do you put Shell in jail? How do you put Esso in jail. Is it the whole company 
Do they go, is it one per person? Do they take turns? Is it on specific days? Is it executives only? Is it upper management only? It's a, it's a funny little, little way to, to say things. Um, so that's, that's what we wanted to, to, to quickly touch on in regards to the, the fuel tax fund. Uh, if you are somebody who wants to follow the fuel tax fund, Dr. Toom is, seems to be promising to be doing a regular analysis of how much the pass through or how much savings Albertans actually get, uh, from this cut in fuel tax. But one thing that's important to realize is that the cut in the fuel tax also equals a cut in revenue for provincial services. And it's hard to know exactly what that number is going to look like because there were periods where for most of the year, the fuel tax was paused. And then there were periods where for some of the year, the fuel tax wasn't paused. Dr. Toom also did a ballpark back of the napkin kind of estimation. This, this little program that's saving Albertans apparently roughly two and a half cents so far uh, is going to cost 1.2 billion. That's with a B in revenue for the province. So, there's a lot of people who are raising some concerns because on one hand, here we have this program whose success is certainly up for debate. There's a lot of people who have said it seems like there's a lot of gas companies who are artificially raising their prices to maybe absorb some of that extra revenue. And it's not making a huge difference at the pump for most people. And we're cutting $1.2 billion out of our, our budget. This is during a time where there's a massive healthcare crisis. There's massive shortages in education. Classroom sizes are blooming out of control. But for, for two and a half cents on the 13 cents, we're, we're cutting over a billion dollars from the budget. So that's super nice. Moving on from there, we want to talk about one of the, the stories that we touched on on Sunday's show. Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms President John Carpe turned himself into police. Uh, after a warrant was issued for his arrest this time he and this was regarding the time that he had a private investigator follow a Manitoba judge for those of you that aren't familiar the, the nuts and bolts of the story are um, Mr. Carpe had a court case that was going with the JCCF the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms we'll get to them in just a sec he had a court case with them that was uh, being heard in regards to restrict mask restrictions uh, health protections all of that sort of thing and he paid a private investigator to follow the judge who was hearing the case around to see if he could catch him uh, not following health restrictions himself and thereby embarrass him or prove some kind of hypocrisy. Ignoring the fact that this is wildly, wildly unethical, it's also, as Mr. Carpe appears to have found out, kind of illegal because he does have by some reports, up to two charges uh, that are uh, against him. And there was a Canada-wide warrant issued for his arrest. He turned himself in on New Year's Eve and spent the night in what is presumably remand without a pillow. Struggle's real. It's real. But this has blossomed into a whole new conversation because, and, and I want to apologize to our, our regular listeners, we missed this joke. We should have been on this joke and we missed it. Uh, the, there were a couple other folks on Twitter who picked up on it real quick because one of the questions was, however, will John Carpe and the JCCF afford the bail? Well, maybe a generous donation from the premier of Alberta is going to help out with that. Because some of you might remember, we've been talking about this since like, I don't know, May, June, Daniel Smith and her GoFundMe 
So as a quick little recap and why this is actually pertinent and relevant, um, months ago, coming up to almost two years ago now, a year and a half ago, Daniel Smith started a GoFundMe to try to raise money to enable a lawsuit to force the government to provide two things. First of all, she wanted to let's make some alternative treatments available. So we're talking, she wanted people to have access to ivermectin. She wanted people to have access to hydroxychloroquine. She wanted all of the, the, the woo science stuff. She wanted that to be made accessible. Um, and uh, that didn't, that didn't happen. The other thing that she wanted to do was to sue the government in order to make more supplies of a particular type of vaccine available. Well, there's supply chain issues that resolve themselves. So that didn't happen either. So at the end of the day, Daniel Smith was left with a GoFundMe that had over $100,000 that she had crowdfunded for a lawsuit that never, ever happened. Now, we tried to ask Daniel Smith what happened with that money because you, you then went to the, the UCP leadership race. You were able to put together $150,000 for the leadership fee, which had to have come out of somewhere. Uh, you didn't happen to use that money. And, and Daniel Smith released a statement after she blocked us where she said, no, 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 absolutely did not use that money for uh, my, my leadership campaign. Um, nope, that's, that's not what happened. Which then posed the question, what did happen? Well, apparently, according to uh, two different people who are directly involved with it, different things happened. So one of the things that reportedly happened was, uh, and this is from the CTV article that's on the screen right now. CTV was told by her lawyer, this is Derek Fromm, who is one of the partners of the law firm that uh, keeps crossing paths with Daniel Smith. Because not only was it the law firm that she was going to use for these uh, lawsuits that never happened, it also happens to be the law firm that her campaign chair, ex-floor crossing UCP or ex-floor crossing PC slash Wild Rose slash PC MLA, uh, and current right-hand guy, Rob Anderson, run. He was the other partner in the firm. It's also the same firm that came up, by and large, with the Free Alberta Strategy. So there's not a lot of overlap here. Well, in that CTV article, Derek Fromm said uh, that of the $103,000 raised, he said about 90000 was in the process of being donated to the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, Mr. Carpe's organization, after roughly $10,000 was collected by his firm, not John Carpe's firm, by uh, the Rob Anderson, Derek Fromm firm. Roughly $10,000 was collected by that firm for exploratory work. And then GoFundMe took some of the money. So what are you going to do? But then it gets fun because the next day, the Daniel Smith campaign issued a separate statement, presumably coming from Rob Anderson in some reports. Smith's campaign responded to our inquiries Tuesday night, stating that $13,000 of the money collected was spent on legal bills roughly three thousand went to gofundme and about sixty thousand had been donated to the jccf again the justice center for constitutional freedoms an additional approximately twenty five thousand dollars remains in trust with the firm to eventually be used when directed to advance the same or similar litigation already commenced on the same or related issue a statement signed by the daniel smith ucp leadership campaign read the day after that they were given totally different numbers so that's not weird at all he said not at all sarcastically now one of the other big questions that remains in all of this and one of the questions that daniel smith has so far refused to answer is so here's the, the funny thing about the jccf and we all know how much daniel smith loves her loopholes we're going to talk about some of those as we we work our way through the rundown here um 
But uh, the JCCF isn't just a, a law firm. They aren't just an advocacy group. They're a registered charity, which means that you, when you make a donation to the JCCF, you get a tax receipt that is tax deductible. And one of the questions that Danielle Smith to date has not answered is, did she flip this, I don't know, 90000 or $60,000? It's so hard to tell depending on which paragraph you read into a tax deductible donation that she gets to write off with this year's taxes. She hasn't answered that question. We're still blocked. We probably won't be able to get the answer. But if there's any intrepid reporters out there who want to maybe see if she'd be willing to, I don't know, be transparent and display some kind of integrity or something, that'd be swell because we'd love to get the answer to that question. And we're pretty sure we're not the only ones. Moving on from there, we got like three more and then we're bringing Sarah Biggs in to, to tell me, Nate, why do you say all of these things? It was a fun little news story that, uh, and I probably shouldn't call it a news story. Let's call it a column. Let's call it an editorial by uh, one of the, the outlets that we're still working on. We're, we're doing a deep dive on them. I promise you, I swear it. Life's just been busy. Uh, talking about the, the True North, the True North Freedom Institute of Freedomness or something. I can't, uh, they go by True North. It's, it's a whole thing. We're going to get into it in a couple of weeks. Um, but they ran a story talking about Daniel Smith's uh, other right-hand guy, a gentleman named Marshall Smith. And it's a, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty feel good story. Now I want to be really clear. I'm going to make some jokes during this segment. I'm going to say some sarcastic things during this segment. I am absolutely not making fun of anybody who is dealing with recovery or addiction. If you've been following the show for any length of time, you know that we take those topics real seriously over here. And we've got an episode that we're going to be dropping on Friday. It's already available for our patrons, but we've got an episode on Friday where we're going to be talking about some of the things that need to be done to deal with the mental health and addictions crisis that we're seeing in Alberta and across, quite frankly, Canada right now. So I'm not dragging on people who are dealing with substance use, substance abuse, addictions, mental health. That's not what this segment is about. Let's get that out of the way right from the start. But there are some things in this article that we do need to talk about. Because the article is presented as this fulsome biography of Marshall Smith, who started his political career in BC, working with the BC Liberals. Now, there's a lot of people who are going to say, oh, but the BC Liberals. If you know anything about BC politics, you know that the BC Liberals, uh, for the longest time, were, in effect, the BC Conservatives. It was just a different name. It was different politics over there. So it's probably going to kick me for saying that. But it's it's pretty accurate. The, the BC Liberals were a conservative party in BC by most measure. Marshall Smith started working with the, the BC Liberals. He developed a, uh, a, a substance abuse issue. He ended up living on the streets for some time. Uh, he did recover. And full props to that. That's great. But the concerns and the questions that we have have to do with where people are taking drug treatment, drug policy, mental health treatment, mental health policy, houselessness, homelessness policy, based on this guy's anecdotal firsthand experience, especially when there's some holes in the story. So the way that the True North story presents it is there was a period of time where um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Smith, um, 2007, he got clean. 
And then, you know, next thing you know, he's the chief of staff to uh, Jason Lawan for a period of time when Jason Lawan was the minister of mental health and addictions. The great job that he did with that. But it leaves out a bunch of years. And in particular, we want to talk about the years from 2008 to 2011 because they're kind of they're kind of relevant. They're kind of important, perhaps. So let's start with what he was doing. He was the director of the Baldy Hughes Addiction Treatment Center. He quit on March 3rd, 2011. How do we know? Well, it was a big enough story. It actually made the news. So it was actually covered um, by the BC News. And they talked about the fact that the, 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 the center was racked with controversy. $20,000 which was owed to suppliers that hadn't been paid. The direct quote is on March 3rd, Marshall Smith, the former executive director of Baldy Hughes Addiction Treatment Center and therapeutic community suddenly left his position. That's from the Prince George Citizen. Now this lines up, interestingly enough, with another news story that was published. And that's the one that talks about some controversy that existed with that rehab center. Not only was it the recipient of uh, multiple contracts, some suggest inappropriately, by the liberal government, the BC liberal government, that Mr. Smith had previously worked for, but it actually gets worse. It gets a little bit more gross. And I'm going to read directly from the article here. Sources said BHTC, which is the facility senior staff of Marshall Smith, a former BC liberal ministerial aide, gave addicts party membership phone lists. AB, which is the initials for somebody who wants to remain anonymous, a former employee requesting anonymity due to job loss fears due to the current government employment, said Smith had addicts cold calling party members to solicit support for then liberal cabinet minister Kevin Falcon in his failed 2011 party leadership bid against Christy Clark. Uh, AB said addicts using addicts was a clear violation of duty responsibility. Some of them are court assigned to be there. Certainly Smith himself in addiction recovery for years was a Falcon supporter. Another person speaking on condition of anonymously EF seeking anonymity due to job loss fears said addicts told him they were pressed to do the Falcon work. They said, no Marshall gave them grief. EF said Marshall would explain why Falcon should be the next leader. It was a very political environment. That leadership vote happened on February 26, 2011. Marshall Smith suddenly left his role with that facility like a week later. It's not a great look. The, the timing certainly begs some questions. Now, in one of those news stories, Marshall Smith says, oh, no, they were, nobody was ever forced to do anything they didn't want to. That would be unethical. I'm paraphrasing the quote. Um, but it... <sighs> It really raises the question as to one of the things that we've heard over the years of doing the show is that when it comes to dealing with mental health and addictions issues, it's very much a situation where you have to meet people where they are. You have to provide them the treatments that they're accessible to. You have to be willing to do multiple modalities. And if you look at people who are entering recovery or entering addictions treatment as ways to collect paychecks, as ways to pad the bottom line, or perhaps even most cynically, as ways to accomplish political goals by forcing them to be political volunteers in leadership campaigns. You're not putting, it appears, the wellness of those people 
ahead of everything else. And what we've seen from drug policy in Alberta with the closing of supervised consumption sites under, quite frankly, false pretenses, as we saw with Lethbridge, where there are accusations of millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars being lost that were never lost. And that was used as the reason to close the supervised consumption site, one of the busiest supervised consumption sites in North America that absolutely saved lives. When that's used as a pretense at the same time that Marshall Smith was the right hand guy to the guy what closed it. When we see Alberta moving more and more away from meeting people who are trying to access recovery where they are to a more forced model where we have a premier who's openly musing on her radio show. About, you know what, maybe it wouldn't be terrible if we did just start arresting addicts and forcibly transporting them to treatment. Maybe that would be a good thing. Maybe that's an option. That's not putting long-term recovery. And in fact, as you'll hear in that interview that I alluded to, where we sat down with Ewan Thompson from each and every, the evidence is overwhelming that forced treatment does more harm than good. Period. There are scientifically evidence-based ways that we can address the, the mental health crisis and that we can address the opioid crisis. And some of them cost way less money than the past that we're currently pursuing. Oddly enough, none of that was mentioned in, uh, in the True North article. Sorry, editorial column. I still don't know what to call it. Moving on from there, we got some news about children's drugs as well. This is our, our drugs episode, I guess, is what this is turning into. Some of you might remember on December 6th, Daniel Smith beat up a lectern and then announced that she had arranged for the purchase of 5 million bottles of uh, children's ibuprofen and children's acetaminophen or children's Tylenol is the brand name would be uh, from a company that doesn't technically make it in the way that they needed it at the time. The company's called Atabay Pharmaceuticals. And uh, Daniel Smith made a big thing. of like, hey, there's this shortage of children's Tylenol. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to Turkey. We've got this company. They're going to be great. They're going to, uh, right now what they do is they make the precursor chemicals. So they make the, the ibuprofen. They make the uh, acetaminophen. They don't mix it together in the pills or the liquid yet, but they, they, they got the stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to get them to like custom make a batch. Now, there's a minimum order. It's $5 million. We're paying a premium, which means more than market value in order to get this stuff. But we're going to get this stuff. There's 10 planes on the runway. They're going to be flying any minute now. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, we just have to wait for a little bit of approval from Health Canada. No big deal, right? It's just a little approval. Well, except... That little approval turned into a whole lot of approval because Adabay didn't actually have any of the required um, credentials to sell the drugs in Canada. They didn't have the labels made. They didn't have the packaging made. They didn't have the approval for anything. Daniel Smith, Jason Copping, whew, they're on it, though. They're working with Health Canada. They're going to get approval to get these drugs on kids' shelves in no time. I want to read a couple of quotes from the press release because, again, this was announced on December 6th, and it was supposed to arrive before Christmas. I think just about every parent with young ones at home is frustrated and worried about the shortage of children's over-the-counter medications right now, Smith said. It's distressing 
to our families and healthcare professionals when symptoms can't be treated at home. Many families are feeling overwhelmed dealing with especially fevers, coughs, and other issues with kids. As soon as the medication arrives in the province, it will be distributed to community and retail pharmacies so that parents and caregivers can purchase it for their children. Seems pretty clear. The goal of this program was to put these children's drugs on pharmacy shelves so parents could buy them, so families could buy them. Now, at the time of the press release, Daniel Smith did also say, hey, you know what? Um, the, uh, the extra, we're going to sell it to the rest of the country. We'll, we're sure they'll buy it. It's cool. A couple of things have happened in the meantime and in between time. One of them is the supply chain issues have largely been resolved. Uh, most pharmacies, at the very least, have the products. Some of them have the products right on the shelves. Most of them have them behind the shelves so that if people want to access them, they can. Well, we got some news yesterday. Health Canada has authorized the import of children's acetaminophen. So the Tylenol, not the ibuprofen. From the Turkish company into Alberta, there's only one catch. The approval that Health Canada issued isn't for private pharmacies. It is for in-hospital use only. That's it. That's the only approval that these drugs have so far. So these drugs can't be delivered to shoppers or Rexall or anything like that. They can be delivered to an Alberta Health Services facility because they still don't have the correct labeling. But if it's used inside of a government health care facility, then they're able to get an exemption for that. So they're going to get all of these 5 million bottles uh, and, and drop them presumably on AHS's lap and say, please hold on to them, I guess, until we can get the label swapped or they expire. It's absolutely ridiculous. This, this whole program. And again, this was something that Smith was like, oh, we're, we're optimistic that it'll arrive before Christmas. It clearly hasn't arrived before Christmas because um, that was like two weeks ago. And it's not going to be arriving anytime soon because there's still no word on when that approval will be coming for the private stuff. We saw an announcement just on uh, January 4th. Sorry, that's the wrong graphic. Uh, we saw an announcement just a couple of days ago where City TV said, yeah, we looked into it and they don't they don't actually know. They don't have any information for when it's going to be approved for uh, for sale. So. Hope you like spending money on drugs that you can't technically buy yet, I guess. Last thing that we wanted to hit on before we bring Sarah Biggs in. People have been asking about the affordability initiative. So a while back, Daniel Smith and UCP announced that they were going to be given Danny bucks. You got kids? 100 bucks for each of them for six months. As long as you make less than. $180,000. Don't have kids? Uh, well, it kind of sucks to be you then. But if you have kids, each one of them is worth 100 bucks for six months. It's going to start in January. Relief is coming. Help is on the way. Well, at least an announcement of help is on the way is coming. Matt Jones today tweeted out, on January 9th, we will be announcing important affordability payment application and distribution deals details, including the launch date. So the launch date isn't January 9th. They're just going to be Today, they announced the announcement of the announcement of the launch date. So that's great. There's a lot of questions in, in regards to how this program is going to be rolled out and why it's even required for uh, the provincial government to be the ones running the show on this. 
And with that right there, I'm going to go ahead and bring in for her take on this. What I'm going to presume is a very fiery Sarah Biggs. Sarah, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for being willing to jump in live from the the, the beautiful scenic community of the you're you're in the Banff. I am in Banff. I took uh, my daughter, my eldest, and her best friend. We on a three day trip, and then we were at the top of the ladies night in Banff. Um, we were we were just at the gondola, and we we had a terrible terrible dinner at the top. Um, well, that's no good. It, it was not worth the money. Definitely. We took beautiful pictures, but you know, it was cold. It was windy. And then we got stuck for 10 minutes on the gondola. Well, it's banned for jam. But it's, 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 it's going to be. Yeah, cool. it, it was warm. It was warm, like compared to what okay. I used to deal with my quiz. But no, it was, it's good. You know, I'm not home. Trying to, you know, just, just the school calendar has been shifted. So uh. there you go. <laughs> Let's work our way backwards. So what do you think yeah. about the, the – it's totally reasonable that uh, the provincial government has said, you know what, rather than work with the available federal tax data, uh, we're going to make people apply to the this affordability program and the, having to build the infrastructure and everything for that is going to delay the affordability yeah. as people are recovering from Christmas. That's totally reasonable and responsible and responsible use of taxpayers' money, right? Of course. It's a very expensive of purest to defense that will do absolutely nothing and just cause a lot of headaches. I tweeted about that this week. No, you know, they've been spending a lot of money for conservative government, uh, especially on things that, you know, so being fiscal conservatives is a part of it is using systems that are in place in order to minimize government intervention. Blah, blah, blah. Um, CRA, okay, so you have the age. And, um, you know, disability and uh, seniors' pensions, they have that information. So sh they should have gotten their money like Tuesday or today or yesterday or something, whatever. Like they should be sending the money right away. Don't make them wait. Secondly, um, I know it hurts when you're bashing out of one and then you call them. You're like, hey, if we transfer you like, I don't know, a billion dollars, can you please distribute it to our taxpayers? <gasps> They would have signed a check to Ottawa. Can you imagine? They could have called it a transfer payment. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch my language because I have kids in my. In the oh, room. this swear jars for Ernest tonight. <laughs> but no, you know, let's not be. Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> there we go. Like, it, it, is it. Like, are we going to have to, like, click a box and say, I promise I'm not making over $180,000 and then click another box that says I'm not a robot? I, I, you know, that, I hope we get to do one of those, at? like, fun captures where it's like, find the bus, because I always miss one of the buses. I don't know where they hide that fourth friggin' bus, but it's always somewhere, and then I have to do it a second time. But it's it, so like... It's stupid. It's absolutely fucking stupid. Like, it's talk about a huge waste of money. We all know that the COVID provincial money rollout was a disaster. Now a lot of people are paying it back now. Uh, but, you know, Revenue Canada knows how much each family does every year. They already have all the revenue. 
you know, you just do queries. If I was the premier office, I would direct Revenue Canada to distribute X amount of dollars for X amount of time to those individuals that fits a certain criteria. But that would be, but that would be too, too complicated. And you, they would have to walk on their egos a little bit. It's just like, but we still hold on. Yep. Hold on. She she could be trying to make her case for an Alberta revenue agency, y'all. Which would be a huge money saver for everyone. He said, I'm "No, no, so it's fifteen billion dollars. It's fifteen billion dollars in salary over the next ten years." Well, Just that sounds like, like a good investment. It's very fiscal <coughs> conservative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not really. So, like we saw with, uh, I guess here's what my question is: Do do you? Th- think that people have reason to concern with this this little rollout because it seems like he said cautiously uh with the recent report that we saw from the auditor general where he was like hey so um that program that you did to help the small businesses there was a boatload of places that 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 wasn't appropriate for that got a lot of money and we we lost a lot of money on that and we're not collecting hardly any of it back do but people have reason they, to can't go- even, they can't even audit properly on who you know what they picked up 51 of them and 40 answered back like what the fuck is this like so what could go wrong it's ridiculous it's bad accounting principles just saying (laughs) okay and you you do have a background in in accounting apparently i i yeah i I knew a thing or two ringing endorsement from sarah biggs on the ucp's uh (laughs) program (laughs) to there we go I'm um, not getting into the prayer's office in the next six months. Well, that's okay though. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the drugs. So we got uh, we're, we're a month we're a month in two days. We'll be a month out from the announcement that any day now we saw the 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 celebratory tweet from. Rob Anderson, I think he was trying to channel Rachel Notley's pick up your tools. Uh, but we saw the celebratory tweet from Rob Anderson where he did the 10 planes on the runways, folks. I really hope we're not paying for gas for those 10 planes. Maybe that's why the airports were so screwed up over the holidays. All of the No, we are paying for up. gas. I usually get the purchasers irresponsible for freight. Delightful. <laughs> the drugs still haven't been approved for pharmacies, but we can put them in the hospitals. So that's... Okay, hold on. So did the hospitals really, really, really had a shortage Not that of paracetamol? Not that I'm aware of. But and they paid now. oh and they paid a premium on it too. Well, because of the fierce competition for the product that yeah, didn't exist. Yeah, the fierce. <laughs> like you can't even make this stuff up. I'm on vacation late. My blood pressure is going up. I'm but, sorry. No, it's fine. Um like, can we just do something nice for once? And Maybe just if we did it well, that would be great. Yeah, there's that too. But, you know, it's a little complicated. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to be curious to see. So there's going to be five shipments. Ten or five? Ten plane loads. Ten. So that's half a million bottles of plane. And I'm suspecting they're going to be using the Antonovs. So those aren't cheap. It's the big, 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 big Ukrainian ones. They're the well, giant to, ones. Like, have to, are they available right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, they, they do. No, they, 
they located them in different countries. They still do deliveries. Like uh, when you see an antenna uh, landing in Calgary, well, last year was mostly for like COVID-19 tests and things like that. Um, but it's big cargo. It's very, very specialized. It's, you know, the antenna is like the Cadillac of all. You're getting really planes. excited about this plane. It's beautiful. Well, no, it's ugly. <laughs> It looks like a beluga, actually. But no, so they can belugas can can blow blow air bubbles, air rings. Baby beluga. We're doing um, great tonight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my daughter likes cocoa melon a lot. Uh, so no, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But it's fascinating that Health Canada has only approved it for hospitals because there was. There's no shortage, shortage in the hospital because they can compound it themselves if they have to because they are pharmacists. Go figure. But now they'll have they'll, now they'll be able to save themselves a step, I guess. I'm going to have an nurse then. Like seriously. No, it's silly. Like we what, have so here's we what have... my question is. If there's no shortage in the hospitals, which we haven't heard any reports of. So I'm going to say a reasonable person could assume there's no shortage in the hospitals. If, if they go ahead with the, the drugs that they'll be getting under the exemption and the exemption is you don't have to have the bilingual labels because it's going to be just used in the hospitals in Alberta. So exemption. Um, but like, what are the hospitals going to do with 5 million Bottles. Well, apparently they are to be distributed to other provinces, so that's why I'm questioning the bilingualism of the packaging. Well, it's just for it's just for Alberta. The, exem the exemption is just for Alberta hospitals. Just for Alberta hospitals. That's my understanding. That's, all, that's, that's So are they actually so, going to buy it and ship it to the hospitals, or are they just going to be like, "Hey, we made some progress, and look, it's a stadium." I don't. <laughs> Maybe that's why she wants the new stadium. She needs somewhere to store 5 million bottles of children's ibuprofen and Tylenol that she can't sell in pharmacies legally. No, I'm just, let's I'm just give them a little bit more credit than that. It's a good photo op. Um, you know... <laughs> the first Flames game. Everybody gets 10 <laughs> bottles of unsellable children's Tylenol. We'll do a concert. We'll have you two out. It'll be great. And, uh, it's it's a very performative move because they wanted they they, they really wanted to say help is on the way, y'all. We got this. Uh, you know, it's not a good use of taxpayers' money. Um, you know, I would have you know compounding medications extremely extremely complicated. Um, I would have maybe had a little bit more consultation with AHS to see what you know with the pharmacies, see what the issue was in hospital. Uh, setting so it's complicated I don't understand why they did that like seriously is it going to be solely 5 million, 5 million bottles in hospitals I... that's not going to help the parents at 3am in the morning yo. well that's exactly it that's, that's what like, the I don't it makes no sense I, and, no and sense. you know Costco was full this week Costco had lots of. Oh yeah, most of the pharmacies do. The, the supply chain issues have, have, have been resolved. It's, it's been resolved. It's a non-issue. Yes, it was hard for a little bit. A lot of pharmacies stepped up and made the product available in suspensions. Um, when I so personal note, when I use a um, 
suspension a compound, I always give a tiny little bit less because the margin of error is, I always rather give a little bit less because the concentration could be a little off. So anyways, that's, that's another thing. But we, we it's swing and a miss. Moving on. What is it? Uh, so like, you don't, it isn't very often that you see a dedicated article to a government staffer, particularly from the the propaganda. I mean, the the media outlet. Um, gosh, I don't know why I said that. Uh, True North. I mean, this is this is the media outlet that uh, has the the pulse of Danielle Smith by every measure, and they're doing this. Aren't they for a non for profit? They are, in fact, a charity. It's it's almost yeah, like charity. Danielle Smith has a proclivity for conservative organizations so that operate as charities. So it's a charity that turned itself into a news organization and is pretty much acting as a pack. Yep. I said it, it looks like I'm not saying they're acting. That's what it, it looks appears like. Appears that they would be taking on the role of a pack. That's that's fine, right? Totally legit. Charitable I'm sure packs. Revenue Canada's. Why are they doing this puff piece? Uh, make sense of this for me. Why is Marshall Smith getting his tires pumped by True North? Like, you don't see typically, especially an organization like True North. The, the, I'm, I'm going to say in the same sense that the, 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 the content that we produce here is obviously wildly biased um, and 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 all of the things but uh, you don't see true north weighing in because oh gosh it's a slow news day we're, we there's no more puppies to write about we've made all of the trudeau jokes let's write about marshall smith like is is a cynical person could very easily look at this and go there's some kind of 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 softening of the ground for marshall mm-hmm. smith's next big thing is that overly cynical or okay. is, 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 so, is, is, is it just a feel good story for a Sunday? Okay. So as you know, Nate, on leadership night, the election night, my cousin passed, right? Yeah. October 6th. My family told me a few days later, my cousin was fighting addiction for the past 25 years. And we didn't know if or when he would lose his battle, but he lost his battle. In Edmonton. Now, what I'm worried about is that they will try to form their policies on a way that worked for one individual but could harm 2,000 others. What works for one doesn't work for everyone. Addiction is an illness. Addiction is complicated. Addiction can create other debate. Oh, thank you. Sorry. I just got my pizza. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That took a hard right turn. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so it's, I'm worried that they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, but no, look, look at my chief of staff. He made it through. Look, why can't you do it? Why can't you? Why can't everyone be like Marshall Smith? Why can't everyone work as hard as... It doesn't work that way. There's family trauma. There's childhood trauma. There's 
uh, PTSD, there's a whole bunch of things that the underlying issues of addictions are so much deeper than, hey guys, look, it worked for this guy. So let's try to soften the ground to shove a treatment that might not work and hurt everybody down their throat. I'm sorry, their app where, you know, people are consuming and setting a timer and tell them where you're at. Open consumption sites, guys. Like, seriously, because there's no ambulances to go pick them up. And if they're passed out, they won't be answering their phones. And if the police shows up, well, who knows? Like, to me, it's always we been. We need to, there's, sorry. No. It's so short sighted. The idea that you can treat, like, addiction is. You're absolutely right. It's, it's a disease. It, it has organic components, which is to say it's not just all in your head. Anybody who's ever seen an alcoholic try to go through detox, anybody who's ever seen anybody who used opiates try to deal with being dope sick knows that there's a very real physiological process that's going on there. And to say that one modality of treatment is going to work is like saying, well, I guess we only need this one antidepressant. It'll deal with all of the depression and all of the anxiety for everybody because everybody's the same. Anybody who's ever contended with any sort of mental health issue or known somebody who has knows that for a lot of people, different antidepressants, different treatment modalities work differently for different people. Some things work really well for some people. They don't work well for other people. And it's having those options available that allows people to do the recovery piece. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, I I know that I've already plugged it. I'm going to plug it again, though. We we have the interview that we did with uh, Ewan Thompson. Uh, It's up for our Patreon supporters. You can watch the YouTube video now. But it's going to be coming out publicly on Friday. And we talk about the the initiatives that we're seeing from the government with these social woes task force. And A, who's on the committees? B, who's not in any way represented on the committees? And we have questions about the creme brulee. You cannot. <laughs> the creme brulee might be a little stale. Um, so you cannot police or force someone in treatment in a salad basket. Well, what do they call it? Salad? Salad? Did, did you just have that aneurysm? No, no, no. I'm trying to find the English word. Um, the, the the prison cell on trucks, you know, when they're just grabbing everybody and putting them at the back. How do you call that? Oh, the, the, uh, paddy wagon. Yeah, yeah, paddy wagon. Take care. You, you just can't, you know, drive on the streets, get the paddy wagon, and just load people up and drop them off somewhere and be like, here, go get fixed. It doesn't work that way. Were you saying the salad truck first? Yeah, because in French, it's like, salad strainer you're killing me with like these translations you ruined eggnog and now a paddy wagon is a salad <laughs> I did strainer. Not ruin the eggnog. you did i went to the store and i because my kid was asking me to get some eggnog and i looked and i was like oh my god it does say chicken milk you ruined it for me no, here's my question for, here, I, let's move on from there um because I don't want to I don't want to belabor that too much. But I do want to ask you, you know, we have this John Carpe situation that has popped up. It's turned into a whole new thing all over again. Um, <laughs> and the I, I, I did apologize earlier to our audience 
that uh, um, we missed the joke about, well, at least his bail's covered. Um, do you think that Daniel Smith is ever going to have to answer the question of, did you get a a tax write-off for that $90,000 GoFundMe? There were a couple of lawyers on the Twitter machine this week who were saying, oh boy, if she did, that uh, that gets complicated real quick because the money was collected under the pretenses of one thing. And then if she flipped it into another thing, there's like laws and stuff. I'm not a lawyer, but it was an interesting if I was to watch. Political part, if I was any political party in that province right now, I would be hammering this every single day, every single hour until you get an answer. Then maybe call the ethics commissioner. Political parties. We know a couple of you listen. You hide, but we know you're there. Mm-hmm. Call, they all have my phone number. They can't call me. It seems, but it seems to me like it's. I don't understand why nobody's swinging at this thing because it not only speaks to integrity, because she she flipped the script on it. She's holding, as per her leadership campaign, she's holding on to twenty five thousand dollars for, I don't know, gummy bears or something. Um, CBD. Who knows? Uh, but she's holding on to some of the money. She's donated it's... sixty to ninety thousand dollars, depending on which paragraph you read, to the JCCF, who are an organization that whose president is currently facing criminal charges for stalking a judge. I feel like there's some questions about judgment because it's worth noting that she donated that money after all of that happened. Like the thing with the judge was seventeen months ago. John Carpe stepped away for, I think, all of five minutes before he came back and his entire two thirds of his board resigned. And he's been running the show ever since. This is all even in the JCCF statement that they issued when he was arrested. It was very clear. Hey, this is all public record. This is this yeah. is all very well known. He's admitted to this. The, the facts of the matter don't seem to be in any contention. And yet this is the organization that Danielle Smith was like stalking judges. Let me back you. Why is nobody jumping on this? I think there, yeah, there, there could be an argument to be made about strategy to wait until it's closer to election so it's fresh in the electorate's mind and try to do a more fatal, you know, because there's war rooms, right? We call them war rooms. Uh, but uh, Those are the ones that don't the, like Bigfoot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I have yeah. my Yeti onesie just over there. <laughs> I think I saw Bigfoot tonight on the gondola when we went down. Um, no, just kidding. Um, but I think that if I was the United Conservative Party, I would ask questions and try to clean the water real quick. Well, see, this Cause... is the other piece. This is what I don't understand. Is It seems to me if Smith didn't want to have this hanging over her, I mean, there's two ways that I, I kind of cut this. One is she must really need that $90,000 tax write-off. Or... Um, hey, we're making assumptions here. We're making some assumptions. I'm saying these are ifs. But it seems to me the two options are Daniel Smith really needs that $90,000 or $60,000 tax write-off. Or she doesn't just want to say, no, I didn't get a tax receipt. I'm not going to be writing it off. Like... To me, it would be this is the easiest problem in the world to make go away and just say, you know what? I donated it to the JCCF. I, I didn't know about um, the 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 court stuff with John Carpe. I was busy. I don't know, being Cherokee or something. Um, 
And so I didn't know about the, the harassing of the judge. If I had, I never would have. Um, but it's the, they have the money now. Uh, I won't be claiming a taxable donation. Uh, it's all good, guys. This is a nothing burger. The, the breakdowns just the break water. down. Again. Like, clear the water. Why isn't she doing that? I don't know. They haven't called me in a while. <laughs> Maybe I can text them that's the same question. But it I... seems like the easiest problem in the world to solve, but they're dragging it on for almost a year now. But that's what happened when you have like those kind of people that they're stuck with their tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> we could still hear you. Let's talk about the fuel tax. We got two more to go through, and then, I'll, then, oh then it's pizza time. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we got the fuel tax paused. We saw the, the, the by some accounts, two cent savings. Oh, for... not even. No, 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 no. And benefits 165 right now. Last Thursday, I fueled up with Supreme because, okay, sorry, I, my car runs on Supreme. You're elite. At a dollar. What's that? You're elite. Know. You're elite. I work hard. That's not no. a bad thing. You're just elite. Don't be, I'm no, not money not. shaming you. My husband picked the car and just drive it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I paid 122 last week. And on Sunday, we filmed up my husband's car and it was 133. No, no, Monday, Monday. Sorry, because Costco was closed on Sunday. Monday. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Shoot. I'm so confused. I'm I still think in the we might be space. approaching immaterial. Uh, anyways, after New Year's, he paid 10 cents more a liter than I did. What happened? I don't know. But, you know, they're saying it's 13.9 cents, but it's reality. It's like 4.25. Well, Dr. Toom, I'll throw the graph back up because I knew I we Dr. were going to come Toom. back to this. Uh, Dr. Toom did his little graph here where looking at the first day, price gap estimate was 2.6 cents. So based on the complex modeling that Dr. Toom does with math that I can't pretend to wrap my head around, uh, the the amount of pass-through, the amount of, of savings that Albertans got for reaching $1.2 billion in revenue was 2.6 cents a liter. So worth it, not worth it. Why starve a province from revenue for a very immaterial difference? It's almost as if the oil companies are doing well. I hear they they've had terrible profits this year. Oh that was sarcasm dude. again. I gotta I gotta really yes. be I've been I've been I've been hearing that people are not getting my sarcasm. I, not I cannot comment on the oil and gas fair situation because my husband is employed. That's fair. By an oil and gas company. I'm not saying that oil and gas companies are bad. I'm no. just saying companies that like to make profits are going to try to make profits. Oh, yeah, they will. Definitely. They don't care. They don't give a shit. <laughs> They're still getting their hefty tax return the end of the year. Uh, yeah. But no, so I don't understand why we're willing to piss away $300 million from... The province is one point two billion in a year. One point two yeah, billion. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, so it's a bigger number. Can, so I can save uh, what's two cents times fifty liters? Uh, oh, I think wait, that's a dollar. It's a buck. Yeah, so I can save a buck. There you go. You can get yourself a, a small coffee at a crappy drive-through. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. Last one. 
Shoot. Fundraising numbers, Sarah Biggs. <laughs> we got I some have fundraising questions. numbers. So we got the. I mean, first of all, it's it's pretty remarkable to me that uh, the UCP um, are taking a victory lap with the the we raised this much money because putting in that the leadership raised money, um, Here, which I don't. Let's do some math because I know the numbers. Well, yeah, you do the, the math. Okay. So ten million dollars, right? Ten million here. Minus we gotta get one million fifty thousand for leadership fees. Minus seven hundred thousand in leaderships and um memberships that they sold. Now we're down to eight point two five zero. Minus probably two point five at least $2.5 million in donations because there's at least Daniel Smith, Travis stays at least, at least fundraise a million dollars. That leaves us at six-ish. And that doesn't count the other candidates that have fundraised as well, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money, to be fair, but I, I'm not... It, it's, here's, not it's not... It's not the flex they think it is. Did you get the code because... though? What code? The, 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 the code flex that they did? No. So I'm going to bring up the what numbers again. I'm going to bring them up just so that everybody can appreciate this. I've been saving this for is the end of the six, show. Is it 6666? No. <laughs> the NDP raised more than 265000 on December 31st. Another record. More than 265000 But the number that Rachel Notley tweeted out, 265000 The UCP oh, said, a... there you go. Fuddle duddle. $265,000. Well, $265,063. Sarah Biggs, for all of the balls on the table, what's 63 come from? It's the number of UCP MLAs, of MLAs that got elected in 2019. Now, technically, they should be down, I think, to <laughs> 63. But the 63 is very yeah, clearly a reference to the number of UCP MLAs that were elected in 2019. <laughs> so, you know, you have to give them a little bit of credit for the for the for the well, you know, I, I'm glad there. to see them working on create, creative stuff like that when there was kids dying in the hospitals. Well, I mean, that got dark, but you're not wrong. But priorities, right? That's the thing. They can't align their priorities. Like, sure, you're yeah. going to bring a whole bunch of paracetamol in the country, in the province, but uh, cancer patients are still not getting their surgeries. So, pfft, yay? Yeah. Like, seriously, it's ridiculous. It, I just, I'm very I just upset. thought it was it's upsetting. It, it was it was I haven't seen anybody else do the 63 it's so yet. And so I've been sitting on it all day and I wanted to I wanted to, to share it. I can't believe you didn't text me that. Well, I, I like surprises. I like surprises. Gotta keep it fresh. Plus I got to giggle. Um I don't know, you guys think you need to plug? Anything you want to plug? Anything going on? What are you watching for? We're coming back on Sunday. What are you watching for between now and Sunday? Other than 10 planes of hospital-only grade. 
Are they going to be wearing UPS vests? I hope so. What I'm watching, uh, I'm watching for my Dyson hair dryer to come in tomorrow. That's that's going to be my big thing tomorrow. Um, what am I watching that much? I think it's going to be a quiet week. Um, but if I was the other party, I would start hammering on that GCCF thing right away and beat it until it is done. That's that's my professional recommendation. Um, it's I don't know what to expect. Uh, they're in budget consultations right now. So that's going to be interesting uh, because they technically, before the Christmas break, you are supposed to, um, you're supposed to be done with your first draft of the budget. Then you can go in consultation and be like, okay, we heard you. And then you finalize the budget. Oh, is that why they had to leave early? They needed the extra time? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, and then we're going to be able to see how performative uh, the Alberta 70 app was. And seriously, I think that, uh, no, I can't say that. Let's see when, uh, let's see what Health Canada says about the uh, at home usage of the paracetamol from Atabay. I'm going to start calling them Adam. I'm going to start, well, they can call me if they need French translation. I'm cheap. Um, but chicken milk. you know, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna start calling them out of boys. And... There you go. Who's the next staffer before I, before I do the plugs, who's the next staffer to get a plug piece, a puff piece. Who's going to get the, the, the Royal true North treatment. <laughs> I cannot wait till we put together the whole package that we have on true North. It's going to be so much fun. Oh boy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you gotta pick one. Who's it gonna be? It makes me sad because there's people in that party that I do personally like they're lovely people. They're, they truly are people. It makes me sad. I don't know. Uh, you can pick an MLA it? if you want to. No. Uh what's his name? Um Sir. The the new guy that just got elected um nominated those folk him. And probably Chantal Deange too. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, because because on on TV this week, uh, political scientists said that Lila here, if she could, she wanted to run, um, you know, for another party or as an independent, she could still win this. Yep, Lori Williams because came out a, with Global, and yep. she said that uh, if if uh, Leela here decided to run as an independent, or she even threw down the dreaded uh, watching Alberta everybody's heads party. explode, she said the Alberta Party name. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the reality is, I, I'm a little conflicted. Like, I have a lot of issues with Chantel, Chantel the Jungie. Um, that 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 her, that dental her, her, hygienist. Well, her politics are gross, but I'm not sure that we, people should be dunking on the dental hygienist bit. That just yeah. feels like cheap. I Make know, fun of her but, for her. Yeah, like, but after everything they views. Yeah, but for me, after everything they've done, everything they said, I have zero. Yeah, you got some bias. That's fine. I'm done. Yeah. That's I want to talk real quick about the next two interview episodes that we've got coming up. Um, I've, I've plugged one like 16 times already. Uh, that's the interview we did with Ewan Thompson from Each and Every, where he talks about the the, the social woe, woes panel. It gets spicy. 
um if if you were if you're one of our patron supporters already i would strongly encourage you to watch it because we're going to be dropping it publicly on friday but we're trying to one of the goals for the new year is to allow a little bit more special time for our patreon sponsors with our stuffs and it's a really good Ewan is a very well-informed, passionate dude. He has been advocating for Narcan use and Narcan accessibility for businesses for a long time. We did an interview with each and every, like I think two years ago now coming up to. Um, they're a committed group. They are on the ground level and they have very real concerns um, for uh, what's going on with this this initiative that we're seeing from the, the UCP. Um, the, the other thing that I want to mention is that we just did an interview that's going to be dropping for our Patreon sponsors next week uh, with an amazing um, person from Alberta. I'm going to be a little bit vague just to build suspense. Um, but we just did an amazing interview with this person who used to be a big time deal in the anti-vax. The word she uses is crunchy movement. Um, and she's, since moved away from being an anti-vax, anti uh, all of the things person to she started an organization called Back to the Vax uh, with a partner from the I believe who believe is from the States um, where they are using evidence based and their own experiences to get people who are otherwise vaccine hesitant to consider uh, reconsider their positions. Uh, it's a, it was an amazing conversation. I'm really, really excited to share it. Um, so keep your eyes out for that. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're producing here at The Breakdown, we would love nothing more than if you signed up to be one of our Patreon sponsors at www.patreon.com slash TheBreakdownAB, where for the price of just a, a fancy cup of coffee uh, a month, you can not only get early access to our super dope uh, interview episodes, but uh, we, we try to throw the perks out. You can ask questions. You can say hateful things. It's all good. Um, and it, it helps us buy toys to continue to, to do the things. It pays for the, the live streaming stuff that we're doing now. So bonus and super nice. Um, Sarah, you got anything to add before we wrap it up? We kept it to just yeah. over an hour. I love it. I know. That's crazy. Uh, no, just, just try to rest, guys, because um, it's going to get busy real soon. Election's coming. Hey, one more real quick. Actually, yeah, Charles Russell, dude came out swinging. Yes. Did I miss that? He endorsed Rachel Notley. Not Charles yeah. Russell. Oh, no. Oh. Ah, too many media figures in my head. Chuck. <laughs> I, I call him Chuck. Charles Russell did not <laughs> endorse Rachel Notley. Let me walk that one back in a hurry. <laughs> Adler, Chuck. No. <laughs> Um, Does that move the needle? Yeah. yeah, I've got like people in the comments right now are going Adler, and I'm. It's been a long day. I was up early yeah. this morning. It's from Montreal. I'm from Montreal too. We bonded over our love of bagels. You know, I gotta say, um, he's awesome. He is. I have I have so much respect for that dude, just because uh, a he's funny, he's clever. Uh, his holding to task of Kenny in 2019 was a masterclass in interview skills. And the, 
he he's not one of those tribal conservatives. He, he has no problem saying you guys are doing things real bad. I don't like it. And the fact that he's he's positioned himself with Rachel Notley is. I don't know. Not all of us are like them. Let's put it that way. Well, it's like it's a it's a it's a, the, the political spectrum is a spectrum. You know, we got we got a two party system right now. So is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to add there, Sarah Biggs? Oh, I'm just wondering who's going to win the, the House. Oh, in the uh, States? The Democrats, yeah. Oh, I don't care about that at all. I do, because it says here. Okay, but now we'll see you Sunday. What vote are we on? Like seven or eight now? What? For the 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 speaker of the house, weren't they like? Isn't that like the song that never ends or something now? Oh yeah, I don't yeah, even know. yeah, like they're being jerks. Let me check. We'll get or back CNN. to that. On, we'll get back to that on Sunday. Where's CNN? I love CNN. Hold on, CNN. Let me check. Nine plain power. Six votes. Two days. Nine. Yeah. Wow, that's nuts. All right. That's it for us for so tonight, folks. Thank six. you so much for everybody who has uh, has tuned in tonight, whether you've been listening on the Twitter spaces, whether you are catching the the live stream on the, the Facebook or the YouTube or the Twitter machine as well. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a little bit of time. If you're listening to the podcast version, uh, we've we've angered some of the anti-vax folks. Apparently, there's some of the, the TBA affiliated folks who, who don't like some of the things that we've been saying they've left some reviews on the podcast so if you're bored and you have a few minutes and you wouldn't mind swinging by to offset some of the 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 reviews that would be be delightful i'm going to be looking forward to i don't know exactly what the process is but i'm looking forward to uh accepting my uh, baboon of the year award i don't know i feel like it should be fuzzy i don't know i'm looking forward to receiving it in the mail um but yeah, if you have a sec, uh, leave, leave a review on the Apple Podcasts because that would be delightful. As always, thank you again. And uh, until we see you on Sunday, take care of yourselves and keep the conversation going.